We'll take one verse for our text this morning. First John <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. With the Lord's help this morning, we'll consider a very important doctrine in God's Word. We'll be considering the doctrine of the Trinity. Actually, all of the doctrines in God's Word are important. Doctrine literally means teaching. So when we speak of biblical doctrine, we're talking about uh, the teachings in God's Word. But the doctrine of the Trinity is really foundational and a fundamental tenet of the Christian faith. Belief in the Trinity is at the core of our Christian faith. Many have attacked the doctrines in God's Word over the years. They've tried to discredit and to malign and deny portion of God's Word. The doctrine of the Trinity is certainly no exception. There are many in the world today that deny the Trinity. Of course, we know when you deny any portion of the Word of God, it quickly leads to confusion and apostasy and all kinds of false teachings. The Word of God strongly warns against any that would uh, remove any portion of the Word of God. It says if you take anything from the Word of God, your name will be removed out of the book of life. It also warns against those that have turned away from the truth and the fables and have denied the truth. The Word of God says that the Lord will send them a strong delusion. That we leave a lie and be damned that believe not the truth. So we see it's so important that we embrace the truth of God's Word. You know, in every one of our church publications of our church paper that we send out as you open it up inside the covers, you will find a statement of Bible doctrine as believed and taught by the Apostolic Faith Church. These are not apostolic faith doctrines. These are doctrines from God's Word that we hold dear and teach and believe. You know, it's good to know what we believe and why we believe what we believe. So I thought with the Lord's help, over the next several Sundays, we will be looking at the different doctrines in God's Word and we'll take those doctrines from that list in our church paper. It's a, really a list of core beliefs and we'll begin with the very first doctrine mentioned there in that statement. That is the doctrine of the Trinity. The word Trinity literally means three in one. We know God's Word clearly states that we serve only one God. There is only one true God, yet Scripture reveals to us that within that one true God, there are three distinct personalities that make up the Trinity. That is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. We sing that song sometimes, Holy, Holy, Holy. God in three persons, Blessed Trinity. You know, the human mind can't fully grasp this concept of three in one, but our faith can certainly take hold on this doctrine as it does all other 
spiritually discerned truths. We can believe it because God's Word teaches us about this doctrine. There have been those that have tried to explain the Trinity. We'll never fully understand all the mysteries, but I thought of some analogies or comparisons that will at least maybe give us a very basic understanding of this concept of three and one. I have seen someone use the example of an egg. I said you can take a single egg, yet contained within that egg are three separate components. You have the shell, you have the white of the egg, and you have the yolk. Three separate parts, but they complete one egg. You can't have an entire or complete egg without those three separate things. Somebody has used the concept of time to try to give us an understanding of the Trinity. Time is made up of three separate components. You have the past, the present, and the future. We know the past is not the present. The present is not the future. The future is not the past. They're separate, yet they're inseparable. You can't measure time without all three of these things in place. So, again, I'm sure that doesn't give us a full understanding by any means of the Trinity, but it can give us a reflection, maybe an idea of of how uh, this three-in-one is possible. You know, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible nor is the word rapture, and yet we know God's Word is very clear, and it teaches uh, about this doctrine all throughout the Scripture. We see the Trinity present in both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. You know, the triune God of the Trinity was there before the creation of the world. In the very first Verse of the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. It says, God created the heaven and the earth. It's interesting that the word God, as it's used there in our English Bible, is actually translated from the Hebrew word for God, which is Elohim. And that word is the plural form of God. And it's used almost exclusively throughout the Scripture. So that shows us the the plural or the plurality or the plural nature of God. But uh, we see this developed even further. If you look in first, if you look in John one verse one, it speaks about Jesus being present there at creation. It says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word." was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And you read further in that verse or that chapter, it says that the Word was flesh and dwelt among us. So we know it was referring to Jesus Christ. Here we see Jesus present with God at the very beginning of creation. You read further in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. It says that the earth was without form and without Void, but it said that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So we see the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit represented there uh, clear back at the very beginning in creation. Genesis 1.26 says, God said, let us make man in our image. You see the word us and our, those are both 
uh, plural forms. And again, it indicates that the Godhead consists of more than one individual. Job declares in Job 26, verse 13, he says, by his spirit, he hath garnished the heavens. So again, uh, we see the presence of the Trinity all throughout, even creation. Even in Daniel, we get a glimpse of the Trinity. Daniel, in the third chapter, we read the account of the three Hebrew children as they went into that fiery furnace there. And it says that uh, as those men were thrown in, those three men, in verse 25 of Daniel 3, it says that as King Nebuchadnezzar looked into that fire, it says he was astonished. And he said... He saw a fourth man in that fire, and the fourth was like unto the Son of God. You know, this is a very fascinating account. This was before hundreds of years, many hundreds of years before Jesus Christ ever came in bodily form. And yet here we see Jesus Christ in the midst of that fiery furnace with those three Hebrew children. How will that old pagan king have recognized this fourth man as the Son of God, it's Jesus. You know what? He couldn't have recognized it only through revelation. The Holy Spirit must have revealed that truth to the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. So we see uh, many examples, even the Old Testament, of the presence and the reality of the Trinity. As we get into the New Testament, we see even a greater revelation of the Trinity. I think one of the greatest evidences of this is in our Scripture reading at the baptism of Jesus. We'll go ahead and read Matthew, third chapter, verses 16 and 17. It said, And when Jesus, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What a beautiful picture of the Trinity. All three persons of the Godhead present at the baptism. Jesus, the Son of God, as He went into the water, it says that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descended on Him and a voice from heaven, God the Father, spoke out of heaven. We see three very distinct persons there in this account of the baptism of Jesus. John 14, verse 16 and 17. As Jesus was comforting His disciples, He uh, promised them, He said that He would pray the Father to send another Comforter, speaking of the Holy Spirit. So again, we see Jesus praying to God the Father and uh, promising to send the Holy Spirit. You know, you think of the apostolic benediction in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, as Paul was writing to the church in Corinth there, as he was uh, ending up his letter, he said, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Again, we see the Trinity being represented. We see the Trinity represented in the formula that Christ gave in regards to to water baptism in Matthew 28, verse 19. As Jesus gave the church the Great Commission, He said to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
You know, it's amazing that in spite of all these scriptures and the in spite of the fact that so many scriptures teach us plainly about the Trinity, yet there are still those that are confused or that would even deny its existence. You know, many of those proponents who deny the existence of this doctrine, they teach that God vacated heaven when he came to earth in the form of a man. And they further maintain that God and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. But we know that is completely contrary to the word of God. It's unscriptural and unbiblical. You know, if Jesus were the Father, whose voice was it that spoke out of heaven at his baptism? If Jesus were the Holy Spirit, then who was it that descended on him in the bodily form of a dove? If Jesus were the Holy Spirit, why was it needful for him to go away that he could send another comforter? If Jesus were the Father, then who was it that Jesus was praying to so often in the Scriptures? Who was it that Jesus was praying to when he was there in the garden as he was facing the most excruciating trial of his entire life and as the weight of the sins of the whole world were pressing on him as he was there uh, under the shadow of that cross? Who was Jesus crying out to when he said, Father, if there be any way for this cup to pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We know Jesus was praying to God the Father. Who did Jesus pray to on the cross? Who was it that Jesus was pleading to when he prayed for our forgiveness? And when he looked out there on those that crucified him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying to his heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, we have the last recorded words of Jesus as he hung on that cross right before he died. In Luke 23:46, it says, he, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Who was it that Jesus was placing his life into? Whose hands was it? It was the, the hands of his Heavenly Father. He was praying to the Father. You know, the doctrine of the Trinity, really, as I said, it's one of the most foundational and fundamental tenets of the Christian faith. Without the Trinity, there would be no gospel. Really, the doctrine of the Trinity is as vital to our faith as the virgin birth or the death and the resurrection of Christ. Without the Trinity, salvation would be impossible. Consider each person in the Godhead. You consider the vital role that each of those three play in our salvation. You think about God the Father. You know, God the Father. Where do, God tells us He created all things. It said that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. We know in the very beginning there in the garden before sin entered in, man had perfect communion and fellowship with God. And God designed it that way. It said God came down and spoke to Adam and Eve. But we know that relationship was severed when man disobeyed and sin entered in. Uh, that gulf was created between God and man. 
You know, the price for our sin, the penalty for our sin had to be paid. That's where Jesus steps in. We know that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. The Word of God tells us that He became that perfect sacrifice for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins on that cross. He shed His own precious blood. The Word of God says that there is no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved except through Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, speaking of Jesus, Whosoever believes on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Word of God tells us that God is reconciling sinners unto Himself through the cross of Jesus, through the sacrifice that Christ provided on that cross. One songwriter once said that Jesus provided the cross to bridge the great divide. We know that. The Word of God reveals these truths to us. But you know, just knowing those things and having that knowledge wouldn't do us any good if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit has several offices, but one of the main offices is to convict men of their sins. John 16.8 says, When He comes, He will reprove or convict the world of sin. You know, you can have all the head knowledge in the world about God and Jesus and those things, but until the Holy Spirit speaks that truth to our hearts until that Holy Ghost conviction settles in. We can't even repent until we realize we're sinners and we're thankful that the Holy Spirit convicts men's hearts today. Without conviction, there could be no repentance. But you see how each person, each person of the Trinity, they work together in perfect unity and harmony to bring about our salvation. The Bible tells us it's the Holy Spirit that will bear witness with our spirits once we're saved and born again. It tells us that in Romans that the Spirit will bear witness with our spirits that we're the children of God. Thankful, you know, the Trinity, we know it's still at work today. Because of that, all of our spiritual needs can be met. We see the Trinity present and active in our sanctification. 1 Peter 1, 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There we see the whole Trinity represented in sanctification. Oh, if you need comfort, you know what? You can pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And it says that God would send that Comforter, that Spirit of the Lord to comfort you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're burdened down and overcome. Maybe your heart is full of grief and you're uh, wondering, you maybe you don't even know how to pray or what to pray. The Word of God tells us, you know, if you'll just come before the Lord, it says that the Spirit itself will make intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. The Spirit of God will help us to pray. If you need wisdom and guidance, you know what? You can pray to the Father in Jesus' name. The Bible says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all liberally and upbraideth not. We know we have access to God the Father through Jesus the Son. And as we pray for wisdom, 
God will send the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us in all truth. You know, we know it's the Holy Spirit that leads men to pray to God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit that leads us to pray. You know, as the Spirit of the Lord has it led you to pray this morning. You know, a person can resist the Spirit of God. A person can quench the Spirit of the Lord. And the Bible is strong warning against that. If you do that, you do that to the apparel of your own soul. But you know what? You can yield to the Spirit's call this morning. Aren't you thankful? Uh, you can come in faith if the Lord is speaking in your heart. If He's the Spirit of the Lord is prompting you to pray, I would encourage you to pray this morning. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord won't always strive with man, but if He's striving with your heart this morning, I would encourage you, step out in faith, grab a hold of God's promises, and the Lord will help you today. I think of the words to that song. It says, Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory. Great things He hath done. Aren't you thankful we can come to the Father through Jesus the Son? It's the Holy Spirit that prompts us to pray. Oh, but I'll tell you, if we come to the Lord in faith, we can look to Him this morning, you know. You can just surrender your life to the Lord and you can leave this place rejoicing over the great things that God is done for you. We're thankful for the doctrines in God's Word. We want to stand on them and embrace them. We don't have to understand everything about them, but we can take the Word of God by faith. You can do that this morning. We're going to have a chance to pray. But after that, Brother Darrell will dismiss in prayer. And I encourage each of you to take some time to pray to the Lord this morning. Seek God with all your heart. The Lord will help you today.